welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen wickiam yeah she used to work in the r and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Stat, Shocking Traumas and Treatments. And I'm your host, Karen Wickham, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So today is going to be an amazing episode. I have Heather here with me today. And Heather, let you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. You just tell them everything. Well, you don't have to tell them everything about you. <laughs> Yeah, that we be here a while. <laughs> about your, yeah, me too. About your podcast and your education, educational background. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Heather Wright, and I host slash co-host three true crime podcasts. Um, the first one is Nature versus Narcissism, which is um, true crime mixed with a little bit of dark humor. We talk about serial killers mostly. And then Status Pending, where I co-host with Scott Fuller. He has about 75 podcasts of his own as well. <laughs> <laughs> that one is true crime and investigative. Um, we basically talk to the families and the police officers, other people in law enforcement on different cases that have been closed prematurely. Maybe they're still open, unresolved, something like that. And then Ohio 88. I'm from Ohio, so I cover the most notorious individuals from each of Ohio's 88 counties. And that one is not humor-filled either. It's it's pretty serious and to the point. Yeah, um, they're all excellent. You do such an incredible <laughs> job. No, you're a natural at it. You know, some people, they sound stiff, and that's okay. I mean, you present how you present, but you're, you're, what you cover, like what you do is amazing. Oh, and what's more you. amazing is your educational background. <laughs> That I wish I used more, but, um, so I have an associate. Well, you're using it today. I'm going to use the hell out of you. <laughs> uh, please be nice about it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so I have an associate's in criminal justice, a bachelor's in criminal justice and the study of the criminal mind and a master's in behavioral psychology. So I'm a little twisted, I guess. <laughs> Is that all? Is that all you have? <laughs> That's all right now. I kept wanting to go back. I wanted to get my doctorate and then I looked at my school loans and I'm like, I don't want to do that. Uh, you're still you're still a young pup. I'm sure you'll do it. But I mean, that's part of the reason what makes your, your podcast uh, so good is that you are so well informed. You're not just uh, pulling it out of your ass. You actually have some, uh, I know what you're going to say. Oh, I am sometimes. <laughs> I feel like I am because I don't get to use it daily, I guess, because my job doesn't require any of it. So I'm like, mm, I hope I'm not losing some of this knowledge. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's I, I, I think that uh, you probably do use it every day. Uh, you know, just people being around you, you know, you go out and I'm sure you like break down. People you watch. See. Yeah, you people watch and go like, hmm. And I think that one, you know, lives in their ba mother's basement and, uh, you know, is... Do you follow me? I, a little. A little. Even though the borders <laughs> have closed, I'm... I'm. Oh, I didn't... Oh, yeah, you already said you're from Ohio. So yeah. the, the borders are closed, but I kind of get under fences and stuff and I follow you around. How... Can you imagine Perfect. how creepy that would be? So without further ado, let's get started on Kermit Gosnell. Who is this dude? If you haven't listened to the... Um, 
the series that I did, five part series. A lot He's of people, a piece of shit. He is a true piece of shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people, uh, it was a tough one to do. I wanted to do it for a long time, and I was like, "This is going to be a bit controversial." Mm-hmm. because some people are going to see Kermit Gosnell abortion and the hard pass yeah. or think that, and that's cool because it's, it's horrible or they're going to say, Oh, well, is this going to lean one way or another? Um, I tried very hard not to do that though. I think some of my views come through because I'm clearly um, pro-choice and, <laughs> Oh, did I say that? <laughs> Oh shit! Oh, Everybody just unsubscribed. But I, I really tried. <laughs> I think women. It's it's uh, up to us to decide what we're going to do. And certainly, there's some situations that maybe it's been misused. But still, it comes down to what our our choices are. Now, so Kermit Gosnell kind of took those choices away from women, or he monopolized that. Like he used that as part of his. Um, his power, his tool to, to get women to come in. And at the end of the day, it was about money. Mm -hmm. Um, The women were uh, irrelevant. So let's get into breaking that down. So he grew up in a family with both a mother and a father. The father was very, very, very hardworking. He um, would, would carry many jobs at once. And you might say that it's, he was kind of a blue collar worker, but he, you know, worked at a gas station and he also, um, you know, was a bit of a handyman and jack of all trades. And he was just constantly, constantly working. Um, and so he didn't really see his dad a lot. Um, his mom also worked full time and she was very domineering. She mm-hmm. wanted her son to be the the best that he could be. And I don't think she really took in consideration what was best for him. I think his choices were, were left out because something really interesting about him is that he was, um, well, he's still alive, a, um, gifted musician, uh, pianist and he classical music. He was just amazing. But through all this, his mother didn't direct him, uh, into music. She wanted him to be a doctor and that's that. So who knows if he really wanted to be a doctor or not, but um, his love fell into music. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his mother pushed him, pushed him, pushed him. He went to medical school. He graduated. And so now we're he moving forward. He becomes like a, a gynecologist and his direction in medicine was to work exclusively with women and women's issues. So that's where he kind of moved into there. And, and this was, sorry, not to cut you off. And this was in uh, Pennsylvania, correct? Yes. All of this. Okay. Yes. And he really started to take off. It was in the early seventies when, when things started to, um, to happen with him. So he, he first started to get himself into trouble with medicine in um, 19, early 1970s. And in 1972, Worked in collaboration with a psychologist by the name of Harvey Carmen. Now, Harvey was a bit of an inventor, and I don't know if inventor and psychologist or psychiatrist working in women's issues really is a good combination. It's a it's I think it's a combination for disaster. So what he wanted to um, 
invent some safe uh, practices for women um, in abortion. So one of the ones he came up with was the supercoil. And uh, Gosnell really jumped on board with that. And so the supercoil, what's the supercoil? It's basically a ball with razor blades in all different directions, if you can imagine, covered in wax. So when it was inserted, the, the wax would melt and then these um, blades would be released. And basically they were there to, you know, help abort. But what they were doing was chewing up the uterus in the, in the insides of, of these women. So I have a question about that, too, because even the first time that you described that to me, it kind of like freaked me out. So it's basically a wax ball. Like all you can see on the outside is just like a wax ball. But yes. once it's inside of you, it disintegrates and the yeah, razors the wax, basically come out. Yeah, the, the wax melts and it, it uh, springs like the, the, the razors spring, spring open. But what is it like, I guess, logically, I guess I'm not understanding like how it moves around to basically scree, I oh, guess is what that's, its intentions well, it didn't. are. It didn't, right? Like that's why it didn't work. It just went up there, uh, it sprung blades open and there's no way a fetus could survive that. But yeah. it's amazing that the, any women survived it as well because it would just... Uh, you know, uh, slice up their uterus and their and the, mm. and the cervix and stuff like that, depending on where it was. So one of the most horrible things or just speaks of his mental uh, health or speaks of his mental condition is that he did this on Mother's Day. Yeah. So a televised thing, right? It was a televised thing. And I believe 15 women went on a bus and showed up at a clinic and these were inserted and it was an absolute disaster, as you can imagine. Like women were, they became, um, they were, un they were unable to have children after this. Um, many became really sick, ended up in the hospital with infections and internal bleeding and that kind of stuff. So, let's do this on Mother's Day, you sick yeah. bastard, and let's mutilate these women. Let's showcase them in front of everybody. Like, what kind of point was he trying to make? Now, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. um, but so this is what he did. Now, they got into a shit ton of pro uh, trouble. And he took off to the Bahamas for a year. And his buddy ended up going to jail for it and getting in a lot of trouble. But you see, the guy just runs like a, you know, right. like a coward that he is. Like a coward, yeah. So when they did, so the I think it was like nine out of the 15 had some type of complication or whatever. Yeah. They couldn't, you know, bear children anymore. But how how did they, the ones who survived and lived and everything, how did they get those out of them? Did they have to cut their stomachs open to get them out? Like how how big were these objects? Do you know? I, I don't know how big they were. And I don't know how they, they, there was never any mention how they got them out. But I would mm. assume that you would have to do some kind of imaging to see where it is in the body. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it could be removed vaginally. And I could see what some would have to be surgically removed. Mm. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe they were able to pass them on their own. Who knows if, they, if, if these all worked, if they, um, all of them uh you know opened up maybe as things were happening they 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 didn't remove them or they were just mm. early on and were able to but could could you imagine the the horror uh, of this i mean it's uncomfortable enough to have this inserted but then mm -hmm. for it to just blow up inside of you 
And how were these women educated on this? I, I want to know. Yeah. Because if I was told, hey, this is how it's going to work, I'd be like, hard pass. No, I'm not going to do that. No fucking way. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that they convinced these women that it would be a safe procedure and it would take care of, of the getting the abortion. So there's no way that they would have been like, hey, you know, I'm going to put this inside of you. And then when it springs open, there's going to be razor blades and it's yeah. going to kill the baby for you. There's no fucking way they were told that because no woman on the his like no woman in her right mind whatsoever or even in, you know, a mentally unstable condition. I don't think any woman no. would agree to that. I think that they would probably uh, needing to go forward with this. I mean, it wasn't that there wasn't other places to go. I'm not saying they were the greatest right. places, but they were, I'm sure, coaxing it and told them that it would be free and they yeah. would get follow-up. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they would have manipulated this one, the women into him. Yeah. So when he came back, he opened up a clinic, uh, specifically initially as a general practitioner. And he treated and took care of these patients. And from all accounts, early patients were happy with the care that he provided, but that wouldn't last long. He started performing abortions and he started selling prescriptions. Um, so it turned into a pill mill. Yep. And so between that, he saw less and less patients on a general practitioner level and started doing abortions pretty much full time. And it, obviously he was in it for the money because if you can get a lot of women paying cash only for mm -hmm. their treatments um, and again, be able to manipulate these women and, and um, take advantage of their situations and also a pill mill. I mean, that's big money. You could just, you yeah. know, you buy your prescription, uh, you pay whatever the amount each. And in that time, I think it, yeah, some of them were like 150 or $75, but you look at that in 1970 money, 1970s, 80s, 90s money. That's, that's some big dough. Uh, he was a multi, multi-millionaire. Yeah. Uh, and even today pills, that's like a huge moneymaker. Like even yeah. in my area, I don't live in a bad side of town or anything, but it's everywhere. It's so prevalent. Oh, addiction. It, it, it doesn't, uh, pick or choose classes, right? right. I mean, they just, right. uh, and, and, you know, just from learning and working in the yard, ER, like some met, uh, some of the Oxycontin stuff like that, we're selling for like 80 bucks a pill. Yep. And, and so how do these, how do people come up with that 80 bucks? So if you've got some money, you can afford it. If you mm -hmm. don't, you're big borrowing, stealing, and sometimes prostituting yourself for this. It's just, it's yeah. horrible. So this guy obviously was taking advantage of addiction and, um, well, I, I would say it boils down to addiction because you either need it or you're selling it to somebody who needs it. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, th when they did surveillance on him, some people would walk in with crutches and just walk out normally with the crutches under their arm. Like it was just, uh, it was so obvious and he was just so, you know, laissez-faire about it. Cause it was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get, I'm caught. getting my money. Yeah. yeah. And so that's not the worst of it. I mean, that's that's awful. But the worst of it was uh, the abortions and what he was doing to these women and the conditions like he would not spend any money on this on this clinic. Um, it was absolutely filthy, beyond filthy. Um, and how he was busted was for the pill mill, not for the things that he was doing to these women, but on the right. pill mill and how he eventually got busted was when the police went 
in. I think it was uh, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. And it was um, like DEA and FBI. Uh, the, the big the big guys were the big were guys. And, uh, and, you know, of course, local police, et cetera. And when they went in, they could not believe it was dark. And there was tanks of dirty, like fish tanks with dirty water. Um, and then two of them had turtles, huge turtles and cat feces everywhere and urine. Um, and the stench, the I can stench. imagine. And you can imagine the stench in the back that would permeate through of these abortions because he didn't clean up. Like he just, um, he, he didn't want to pay for disposal of this. So oftentimes he would put the, the products of the abortion into big plastic bags and just keep them in the basement. And there would be many, many, like it would fill the basement and then they would place them on top of that. You know, some freezers had uh, the, the, the contents of the, of the abortion. I, I, I don't know any, any way to, to say it better. And they were, they were the ones they were putting them in um, like orange juice containers, cutting the top part off and putting them in there. Like there was absolutely no respect. We can argue whether or whether or not these, these are viable living beings or not, but Come on, you can be more respectful of of in 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 the safety levels, but yeah. as we know, some of these these children were babies. Um, Forty weeks, you're alive. Yeah. You're a baby. Uh, anything over twenty four weeks, it's you know, I mean, twenty four to to thirty two weeks, even thirty four weeks. The the the, the child's going to go through a lot to stay alive. A lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. A lot of medical support. But, you know, who's going to deny that at at 40 weeks, 42 weeks, you know, that they're they're alive, that they're, you know, they a can human. Live? Yeah, a human. Exactly. So we can get into a big back and forth on on, on what is considered alive or not. But uh, for him, they weren't alive or at least this is his excuse. They weren't alive until they were actually born. So that's why he would kill them before they actually fully came out um but would he because he didn't always he oh, would no, no, no. also snip their freaking spinal cord after they were yeah. already out and crying yeah like, crying, moving um the the whole bit he would make uh, horrible comments on it and one ex-doctor or she lost her license in particular would um comment on like basically what how the child was behaving and how big it was and you know, he was like, uh, no, that one was so big. It could walk me to the bus stop. Like I would punch him in the neck. Oh, I mean, we wouldn't even get even to that point. Mm. But um, one of the, the the most twisted things he did was cut off the feet and keep him in jars. <sighs> now, as it turned out, as we learned more, he had a major foot fetish. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's as sick as you're going to get, you know, and when they found that, when the police found that or the FBI found that, they were just shocked, horrified, sickened. And it was understood that he had just replaced. He had a whole cupboard full of them. And they don't know where they went, possibly back to his place or he just, I don't know. I mean, I'm so uncomfortable talking about this because of what it is. I don't like talking about it, but I, I think it needs to be talked about. Because right. this stuff doesn't just happen with Kermit Gosnells. There's a, there's other Kermit Gosnells out there. Um, mm-hmm. 
right under our no- noses. Uh, I'm not saying that it's on every corner, but there are. And She's not saying that your doctor is a Gosnell, yeah. but just be but you aware. May, you may be surprised what who who would appear that way. But this right. guy was never seen as a normal kind of guy. And he yeah. could put on a, a good show of how he looked. But that, like anything, that that comes off pretty quick. That that drops pretty quick. And he would uh, date and marry some of the women that worked for him. He, um, you know, insulted and berated and humiliated the, the other women that worked for him. Uh, the way he treated the, the women that came in, it was cash only. It was, if you want to be have this kind of pain management it's going to cost you more um the place was filthy these women would sit with nothing on from the waist down on dirty bloody uh recliners with used uh blankets on them and they would from be, other women from other women and they'd be medicated yeah. beyond um what you could imagine so they would be giving medication to start the the process and that's extremely painful and then he was giving them demerol which is a very cheap um uh, opiate and very dangerous in -hmm. fact i think they're pretty much trying to get rid of it entirely because it is such a dangerous drug um so he was using these very cheap drugs and having these uneducated or not medically educated people giving them like, like even at a 15 year old working the counter and um making uh charts to show how to break down the costs and stuff like that didn't I mean, she also provide medication to some of the women too yeah yeah i yeah. mean when you're i mean these women should be on full monitors yes but let's okay let's walk through what um a a, a good clinic would do you'd come Please, in yes yeah so also too you're supposed to have a 24 to 48 hour um you're, you're supposed to have a, a consultation and mm-hmm. then you're given like 24 to 48 hours to decide if you still want to do it he didn't mm-hmm. do that at all um some would come in and be like sit down let's do this mm-hmm. so you would you would you would go into a very clean clinic with educated people nurses doctors you would have a, a consultation you would go home, you would come back, you would have your, I don't know, you guys have health cards? No. Like insurance cards? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, yeah. here in Canada, everybody gets like a health card and then you can go into the hospital and then it doesn't cost you anything. Oh, so, no. We, so, yeah. Ours, we pay for ours. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, you know, you show, so that's why I'm saying health cards, but say you, you gotcha. would present whatever, however you were going to, um, how it was going to be covered. Mm-hmm. And then you would be, um, given some medication sometimes to help with anxiety. And then you would be brought into a very, very, very clean area, put on monitors. So cardiac and uh, O2 sat and all that kind of stuff. Watch your vitals. Yeah. Yep. You'd have a compassionate team uh, help you. You would be sedated and um, walked through the procedure. The room would be impeccably clean. It would have all the emergency equipment available that you would need. And then you would, when the procedure was over, you would wait to see that you're okay, like you're coming out of sedation and that your vitals are stable. And you would go home with um, follow-up support, that kind of stuff. So that's how it should work. And let's just say you didn't react well to the medications. They would have everything there to help you. 
And they also have easy access to get an ambulance in, not a locked door in the back room that was um, littered with big bags and boxes of stuff. So, so that's how it should be. But his, his rooms were absolutely filthy. Cats would walk through what you would call the operating rooms and there was blood all over the place. And um, the same tubing he'd use for suction was the tubing you were supposed to use if someone were to uh, aspirate. So if they were to start to vomit and it would go into the, could you imagine that was his, his equipment? Not only that though, the equipment to do that didn't work. Yeah. So the equipment- And the tools that he used were rusted and gross and yeah, not and sanitized. No, sometimes they were just washed in the sink. And um, if you want to call that like anything, and then um, there's, there are plastic tools or like it's, it's heavy duty plastic, but they're disposable, say, uh, tubing or uh, I, I can't think of anything particular right now, but it was, it's one use only. So maybe mm-hmm. like the little, um, uh, like clamps and stuff like that, that you might use, uh, you know, the ones that look like just for, to, to explain to people, they look like tweezers and they help, uh, lifting up, um, gauze and stuff like that to keep it sterile. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he used his bare hands. And he would actually be in the middle of an abortion and eating a sandwich or a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Like he would just be like casually walking in. Like it was just like, good morning, dear. How are you? T-? You know what I mean? Like he's just like a psycho on so many levels. Um, My God. Uh, some women were held down during the procedure when they um, said, no, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And he'd be like, no, it's too late holding you down. And he would do it or he would knock them out. So completely that uh, they would be unaware. And then there was one woman in particular who fought it and she was being held by her thighs, like like pressed down hard so she couldn't get up. Um, and then when she woke, she was sitting in a, one of the like kind of lazy boy chairs recliners and she had the abortion, didn't realize it. And then, then came to the, like realize that it did happen, devastated. And was unable to bear children after that because he mutilated her. Jesus Christ. And there's an interview with her where she's just just so devastated. Um, she was able to have a child before, but she couldn't have children after. But thank goodness she had that, that one child. And she was trying to do what was best for her and her child, saying, like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. And I want to provide for the child that I do have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's this, I can just go on and on about all different horror stories, but uh, there were some women who, uh, those I was trying to think of, pro- products of the abortion were still in them. So maybe uh, there would be like a leg <sighs> or part of like flesh or something that was still in them. They would go septic. Uh, at least a couple women died from that. One woman um, was murdered. Um, the, the ambulance couldn't even get into the building to save her. And they waited a long time before they even called the, the EMS. And when they got there, the back door was padlocked. So it took them far too long just to get in, um, to save her. So yeah, this is this, this son of a bitch. Um, eventually he was, um, busted for this mostly through the pill mill stuff. And then they started to, right. the one cops, they started to look into um, the murder of, of the one woman and, and the, the other women that were, that almost died, you know, or were very septic, very sick, uh, so on and so forth. So question though. Um, so didn't you say before too, or maybe I read it somewhere that 
He would only go into the clinic during certain hours, which were usually overnight hours, right? And then yep. the the staff, like the 15-year-old girl and the other women who were working there, they were actually tasked with giving them the medication and getting them ready. And even if one of them started to pass a fetus during the process, he wouldn't come in until a certain time. Yeah, his uh, he would come in between 8 and 9 at night, uh, perform abortions, and then go back home. Uh, pretty much it was left to the staff to um, give the medication and uh, monitor these women. And it was like an assembly line for him. He didn't give a shit who they were. He just wanted to know that they they paid. Um, if there were complications, he'd be like, deal with it. You know, whatever. Women would go home half out of it and bleeding. And, you know, people. They, how do they know what to do? They don't, you know, and you go to a doctor for help because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle that for the late mutilated them. Exactly. And for the late second trimester and third trimester um, abortions, he would do those only on the weekend with his wife. That's right. Because why would you do that only on the weekend and with your wife and no one else? Because he knew what he was doing was illegal. Yeah. ethically and morally like corrupt he knew it um so so eventually you know he was put in uh in jail he denied everything his family stood up for him um he was brought to trial he just sat and smirked and just laughed sometimes and looked bored uh, he fully believed he was going to get off he didn't he was uh sent to prison um maximum security and he's serving out his uh life there he has talked on um, many occasions about how he enjoys it because it was the first time of his life that he could actually relax and he's made friends and he can go to the gym whenever he wants and um work out oh he's a he's a religious man now so read the bible and oh he would talk about how he loves true crime stories so this guy is just a Oh, gross. There, there was a, a woman, woman, um, Anne McElhinney and her husband, uh, she wrote an incredible book about them. I say it's incredible because of the detail she went into, um, getting to the bottom of this. And she actually just put out, I think it was a year ago or more, um, a movie on out about him. Not a lot of people know about it. And she fought for years and years just to, to be able to put this movie out. Cause like all the the movie uh, companies are like, uh-uh, we're, we're not touching this one, right? Yeah, so I they, think that's the one that I saw, the documentary. Yeah, so no, yeah. this was an actual uh, full uh, fl- film. Yeah, there's a documentary, oh. but this is a, a, a full film like based on what happened. Oh, shit. Yeah, um, so she got, she got that out. But when she went and visited pretty much the one and only time, he was allowed to, like he didn't sit beside, behind like plexiglass or whatever. He was actually... Um, in the room with them and when he came in he put like his knees around her one leg and he was like whispering to her and um he's like you like classical music don't you and he like serenaded a a song to her and he was showing her the size of his feet and what does that mean and and she she just was like i'm out i'm out and disgusting and this music that she loved um and how did he know you know, it's just right. Uh, so beyond creepy. So that's he's that's, so disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
so he's still there and um i haven't even gotten into the how he could have been busted so many times and on a political level it was just looked over because no one wanted to touch that subject but Mm-hmm. We could go into that, but I don't think that's what we're going to get into right now. Let's now it's time to like break down um, this monster, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just sort of hand that over to you and and let's let's start with his his childhood. What what do you think maybe happened there to to lead to this? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. I feel like I'm gonna bounce around all over the place, uh, but feel free to go. Stop me. <laughs> okay. Um, so obviously I'm not a professional by any means, but a lot of this stuff like stands out in different ways to me. So I feel like talking about his childhood in specific, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of killers, more more so than others, like other criminals, they have like some type of demon in their past that they want to kind of either get rid of or kind of face, if you will. Um, So psychological in that sense. So oftentimes we see killers who have like awful upbringing or some type of relationship in their childhood or their adolescence that creates some type of struggle within them, I feel like. And that in turn will give them the urge to like gain some type of control in their life, you know, as they get older, because You know, whether it's control of their own mind or body because they didn't have that growing up or maybe even control over others because they seek the power that was used against them. And I feel like a lot of that comes into play with his mom. So you brought up this whole um, control aspect in the sense that he was he was a very intelligent kid. He was very smart. He was able to catch on to things really quickly. He was very musically inclined, but his mom didn't care about any of that. His mom just wanted him to be what his mom wanted him to be, a doctor, make that money. And she pushed him no matter what. And obviously, from at least from what you've told me, he didn't want that at all. That's not the life that he wanted. No. So that that kind of comes up in my mind, like the whole control thing. Overbearing mother. Because that yes. does come up quite a bit with um, with some, especially, um, I think, if I'm right, ser- serial killers that have the, the paraphilias. Um, yes. <laughs> that uh, you find that um, the over the over uh, bearing mother. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of had times a it, is, it is the mom over the dad, too, because a lot of people will be like, well, his dad was really abusive and and hateful and blah 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 but a lot of times it's the mom i feel that does this to the the killer or sets the eventual killer for it Um, exactly i mean because i think um having your father and being a father is an incredibly important role it's it's i'm not diminishing in any way but there is that connection from the mother i mean Mm -hmm. that that physical biological chemical you name it connection to your mother i mean because she carries you and that's hardwired that you can't yeah exactly it's hardwired you can't there's nothing that you can do to like sever that if you will there's always going to be some type of bond there and that doesn't diminish the importance of a father no but i think that bond with a mother is one very hard to um it's that's why i think it's so damaging uh Mm -hmm. when the mom is either 
psycho herself, major problems, um, mm-hmm. doesn't care. You hear about kids that have uh, reactive attachment disorder, actually. I'm yes. Doing, uh, uh, my next episode's on that. Um, and how those kids, basically, that means that they just didn't have the love or care or they had they were abused and they can't attach. So the, the a lot of the behaviors that you see and like, I'm not saying they're going to turn to serial killers. Right. Because not everybody does. Only if right. you do. And that's where your show, Nature versus Nar- Narcissism, comes in. Was it one, the other, or both, right? So, mm-hmm. okay. So moving forward, his mother was overbearing and yep. um, just didn't uh, really put him above what she wanted. Exactly, yeah. Which is polar opposite of what everybody thinks feels and and kind of expects a mother to be the mother's supposed to be the one who the minute they're pregnant or the minute they find out that they're going to be a mom they're the kid comes before everything and that's just not the way it looked in his situation at all yeah exactly she she didn't care yeah um so i i feel like i'm going to bounce around a little bit but we'll get back to everything so ask me questions when you need to um So I feel like uh, behind bars, he had several interviews with people and he indicates in those interviews that his actions that he's sitting in jail for, in prison for currently, were due to situational ethics. So I found that really interesting because he made it sound as though he was doing good for his community. And as we saw in his, you know, early years, he did do good. He did this, he opened up this, whatever it was, rehab or halfway house. He opened up this thing for teens. So he thought that he was the do-gooder. And he justified his actions as well as his behavior by claiming that it was some kind of war on poverty. So as you mentioned, it was a lot of, you know, um, women who were, very poor, not very well off, didn't really have the means to take care of a child or an abortion. So this was his justification. He was basically what, not allowing them to populate society anymore. Is that, is that what he's referring to? Well, (laughs) yeah. Cause I mean, there were times where he would say, um, who's going to support these kids when they can't. Right. So welfare, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like it's going to end up that we're supporting. And he was also saying, what future does, does this child have? So why bring a child into the world if they really don't have a future? And he, I guess he would determine what a future would be. Because right. I think even born into poverty, mm-hmm. life is still just as precious. And it doesn't, right. and it doesn't mean that anyone can't still get out of it. But I guess the question I want to ask you is, so when he was doing, say, good things, do you mm-hmm. think that was calculated? Yes. Okay. 100%. I think that there was always something behind it. There was always this this reason for why he was doing that. He was ve- being very manipulative. So like he was um, establishing a reputation and a clientele, like he was mimicking what he thought yes. a good doctor and- would do? Yes and no. So I think it was his grandiose image of himself. I think he was really trying to play God and Ah, he was building up to that image and this do good attitude so that people would respect him. He was trying to succeed. So now that he established this level of respect in the community, now he can succeed and he can have these people under him, you know, basically in a sense, worship him, go to him when they need something. And you know what? He's got what they need. They're going to do what he wants. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he was such a, a decent good, do-gooder guy, 
Mm-hmm. Um, though, when you say someone's a do-gooder, you know that they're always a bad doer. Yes, <laughs> like, when you're given bad, that name, yes. right? <laughs> but um, he uh, he could have even provided a safe and clean environment, uh, excellent follow-up care. Um, mm-hmm. You know, helped people manage, help women manage, uh, families manage. But mm-hmm. he didn't, so he could have kept that. Uh, even though people would still be against abortions. Uh, he could have still provided a very safe environment uh, for these women and families to go. And you know what? Yeah, people were against it, but there's a yes, a no, a good, a bad with everything. There's going to be people against every single thing. And during that time when he was, you know, performing these abortions, this was a time when people were becoming more accepting of the procedure because they wanted a safe way to do it. So he was like at the, you know, cutting edge line, if you will, like he was the beginning of, he, of it, right. Not just being back alley abortions and right. He um, could have done good. He yeah. could have done good for the community, for society. He could have gone on to help a lot of people and done it in a very safe way. Yeah. But instead he used that power that he had to control other people and control their lives. He didn't only do it with his patients either. <laughs> No, exactly. So what, what, okay. So let's go back to the super coil. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think all that was about. Mm. I, I mean, I, I just <sighs> kind of throw it out to you, but let's, let's look at it from the perspective of being okay with, with this thing being like, was knowledge- he okay with it? Yeah. And being knowledgeable <laughs> enough to know that it probably wouldn't work doing it on mother's day. All yeah, that. I'd I, like to hear. I, all of what you think of that. <laughs> it was all calculated to me. I mean, he he wanted he wanted to be near a big name, I think. And that person was an inventor. He was again cutting edge, leading the industry and in his inventions and different things like that. I think he needed that name by him so that people would recognize who he was. And I think Do you I, think I still- he knew sorry, I'm cutting you off. Do you think he knew that this procedure would mutilate the women? I think he did. And I, I mean, what doctor wouldn't know that? Okay. okay. Knowing and, what the device is. <laughs> and furthermore, do you think that he felt that somehow he could fool everybody into, um, you know, fool everybody, fool anybody into believing that this was a, a proper procedure? Was he sort of like, I'll, I'll take a chance on this. Maybe this will work and I'll get notoriety and then I'll, I'll get more. Or do you think he's just like, all right, let's just do this and see where it goes. Yeah. I think it was more of an, all right, like there's some, there's something about this guy. And I think we'll get into it a little bit more later, but there's something about him mentally that he, he wanted to cause pain to people, but he wanted people to trust him at the same time because that gave him control over them. So I think he knew that it was going to hurt them. He knew that they could potentially die. And the whole Mother's Day thing, I still, to this day, don't understand. Like, that's really, really calculated and really disgusting. I think that's like a slap in the face to women and mothers. It is. And I think part of it is a slap in the face to his own mother. You know, so what I think about is um, how a mass murderer waits for um, an event. Yeah. To like cause the this, Boston City Marathon. Yes, or the the concert in Vegas, mm-hmm. um, and 
or even just, um, you know, it's a church service and everybody's letting out. But I, 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 I mean, then that's on a smaller uh, uh, level, but just um, that they wait for this event. And so and yeah. then they can cause all this pain and watch it happen. Yeah, because, you know, it, it's almost like, um, I don't know really how to, like, what to compare it to. But if you think about it on a bigger scale of, you know, I could hurt this one person and that one person will know that I did damage, that I hurt them. I'm always going to be in the back of their mind that I hurt them. Or I can hurt dozens of people who have dozens and dozens and maybe even hundreds of family members and friends. And and then if I do it on a larger scale where it's televised, even more people are going to see it and be afraid of me. Like, it, it's all about power and control with him. So he created or caused maximum pain and then took mm -hmm. off. I'm wondering yes. if his intentions were to stay there. But was like, no, I can do more of this. Like his overwhelming need to to be and do what he does mm -hmm. overtook it. Because I know there's some serial killers that will stop for a while. You know, some will take a break and then and then carry on until they can't control mm -hmm. themselves and get caught. Or there's different yeah. different ways. But there's that point where they could stop and, and leave it there. Or, or take a break and then carry on. They can't control their impulses anymore. So I'm wondering if that was him. Like he was in the Bahamas. I don't know. He was probably, so he's hiding there. Not really people, not many people know about him. He can't do his job. He comes back and he's like rubbing his hands going, okay, mm -hmm. I can start this all over again. I think it is like an urge thing. Like there's so <laughs> mental illness and diseases and things like that. If you think about it, on another level with like alcoholism, you know, you, there may be an alcoholic who was an alcoholic for 30 years and then something bad happened and they're like, Oh my God, this is like a wake up call. I need to stop. And they go to AA and they go through all these steps and these programs and things and they stay away from alcohol, but then some, something happens in their life and they get triggered or they take that one sip and they fall right back into it. Yeah. It's almost like something gave him that urge and he's like no i need this i can make yeah. it so from go a legitimate further. uh um human um like addiction or mental illness which exists to a psychopath sociopath who a lot of can argue is not a mental illness um uh but i see what you're saying it's the same mm -hmm. impulse control so you can yeah. take people that have true serious illnesses but he's doing it in the same way only his impulses are for the worst reason possible right right and i mean that that comes into play too with being a psychopath or a sociopath like they have these urges that like like lack of empathy like so many people have empathy they don't they don't fucking care they're literally doing it for their own good. Like it's it. Like even when he got caught, he still just stood there. Like I, I don't know what the problem is. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And you he, don't see a problem with babies' feet and jars around your fucking clinic? No, this is something you <laughs> just kind of chuckle at and go, "Well, what's the big deal?" Like he really right. didn't get it. He really had zero. It was all yeah. what he wanted and all what 
it was all about him. The place was filthy because he didn't want to pay for it or even mm-hmm. just it wasn't filthy to him. It just was whatever it was. It just it was his place. They didn't clean just properly like his house. or get sheets sent out because I mean when you work at a clinic it goes to like a, a place that's like a biohazard where they can sterilize these thoroughly and then send them back to you. I mean there was nothing like that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so Okay, so I, I want to. So he comes back. He opens, you know, he does good, and he opens up uh, this clinic, and it slowly starts to deteriorate, deteriorate, mm-hmm. deteriorate, deteriorate. <laughs> That's always one of my favorite words to try to say. <laughs> and so, in one sense, his general practice patients love this guy. <laughs> so he's got all them, and they're almost like a front. Yeah. Okay. So. The pill mill, he truly didn't give a shit about people. That was a moneymaker. Obviously, he just wanted as much as he could get. The abortion, why abortion? He could have just stuck with his general practice and his pill mill. Mm -hmm. And made people overdose, right? And then he wouldn't have to worry about cleaning it up or anything. Yeah. So the abortion, I think, was his true almost... You, you know what? Okay, I want you to I want you to carry from that if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So I I know where you're going with this. It was almost like his I'm gonna stick it to my mom thing. He hated women. He hated women. He hated mothers. He hated the fact that you know they had the choice whether they wanted to be a mom or not because his mom was a piece of shit mom to him. His mom was controlling to him. Would not let him choose what he wanted. So. He became a doctor like she wanted him to, but he's going to be the ultimate doctor. He's going to be the doctor that decides who gets to be a mom and who doesn't. And who lives and who dies. And who lives and who dies. Yeah. So I. Think so this, you are, think, comes from a true hatred of women and he can control women through their bodies and who lives and dies. Yeah. But I think more of it is the mother aspect because yeah, think about his meant. general like, practice. The mother like, started this whole train of 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 him going down where he didn't want to right and then he yeah he yeah does, he so does the abortion chose his whole life for him he's not gonna let that happen anymore so you think he chose abortion to control others lives and mm-hmm. to because he hated women and he wanted to have control over women yeah and the, the thing so before i get into the actual um illnesses that I think he has, like just by researching. Before I get into that, I do want to discuss the fact that, you know, he he hated women and mothers to an extent, but at the same time, like there was something else going on because as you said, he married a couple of women at least, and he had children with those women. Yeah. Those children lived. Yeah. What's going on there? Exactly. I don't understand that. Okay. <laughs> what about I think we can understand why he cared little about how he disposed of the remains of Best B. I think it was more to that he wasn't I think it was more to it than he was greedy with money. Mm-hmm. It was just a complete like doesn't give a shit about those lives. He doesn't care. Or life. It's tra- they are trash to him. It's tra- it's just waste to him. So it was more about just maliciously 
deal, like treating the situation rather than than money say now mm-hmm. let's go to the obvious one here why the feet fetishism that's yeah. one of the illnesses i think he has so well and okay so let me rephrase that it's not technically an illness it's considered one but so um like i guess a paraphilia I guess, right can you exactly expl- yeah can you explain a- what a paraphilia is Yes. <laughs> I didn't write it down because I kind of, a fetishism is an obsessive fascination with something. So yeah. he definitely has that with feet, whatever. I don't like feet anyway. <laughs> so like either. that's just gross to me. <laughs> but like a lot of people have foot fetishes, which, hey, you do you, boo. If that's what gets you yeah. off, hey, go at it. But this guy is still fucked up because the feet that he likes are baby feet. Like that feels like pedophilia to me. So yeah, um okay, so he was always not always, he was often and known to show his big hands yeah to women and his big feet. Mm-hmm. And of course we know where he's going with that. Big hands, yes. big feet, big genitalia. Yeah. Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is where he's he's getting at. So do you think right. he was trying to prove his like manhood because he was maybe that was taken away from him from his mother. Yeah. So he's 100%. like, I'm going to show you I'm a man by the side Check of out my, my big old hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my feet. Yeah. And therefore you're going to, you know, you're going to just, uh, you know, fill the blanks in that I have a big, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> penis. And unless so- he drives a big truck, then we know it's all a lie. <laughs> With the bull balls hanging off the, the back. The little balls hanging off the back. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so, but honestly, I'm thinking like he was always showing, saying, look at the size of my hands, look at the size of my feet. And, right. But here. And then he cuts off feet, but he yeah. only cut them off. This I just sounds so casual the way I'm talking about it. And I think, yeah. I think you guys know that I, I'm just not casual about this, but. Right. But he only cut off the feet, big feet. Right. Because he wanted to, not little feet, he wanted the biggest size feet. And yeah. was it to say, oh, look, this child was this late into the abortion. Look what I did. Or I just really like the size. Like, I honestly, yeah. it takes a lot to make me feel sick and queasy about something. Yeah. And and, and it, that's I, how much this gets to me. It, and it does, it gets to me too. And it makes you think so much deeper than you want to about it. Yes. So like you said, it is a, a paraphilia and it's believed that this like, so fetishistic disorder is believed that the onset of it is during puberty, but it can develop prior to adolescence as well. So some believe it can develop from early childhood experiences so we don't well, know others, necessarily if there was other stuff going on exactly uh, in, so in the home and it could be associated with masturbation and puberty so sometimes like if he was a victim to or witnessed inappropriate sexual behavior while he was you know going through puberty or something so maybe he was deprived of a healthy or normal social sexual contact so i don't know what went on with him and his mom his mom's relationship with him was pretty odd I'm mm-hmm. not saying that anything sexual happened yeah, there, but yeah. if it did, that could definitely stem to it. Um, or maybe he witnessed a family member or something doing something sexual with feet or walked in on somebody and that, you know, yeah. during puberty 
gets stuck I, in his head. I think you said just something really important, and it really um, got through to me was when you said fetishes and feti- fetish. <laughs> Fetishistic, fetishistic disorder fetish, yeah. yeah so there i think that's what it boils down to it's a very different thing you can have yes. a fetish or you can mm-hmm. have a fetish disorder where right and you that's might where just i think, was like yeah so like the, the, that's where the i think that's really important because you know like you said it could be you you have a foot fetish that's just mm-hmm. like whatever like, yeah but th- that's the point is that there's where no one gets hurt exactly and it, exactly. and the people are in that they're complying with it yeah. or there's people that are you know taking pictures of women's feet or men's mm-hmm. feet out in public and then going home there is a, a kind of a victim there in the sense that those people were not complicit to, they're like no right. we don't we don't want that so there's mm-hmm. there's the fetish and then there's the disorder where it crosses the line mm-hmm. into harm and I think a lot of times when the disorders do um, manifest is going to tell you a lot. So he was going, he could have been going through puberty at this time, which is why he associates feet with sexual arousal or whatever the case may be. And that I feel like is when it becomes dangerous. Because or maybe he was told like, look at the size of your feet, look at the size of your hands as he was growing up. And that was associated yeah. with manhood and getting, you know. Who knows? Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so, so twisted. And I think that's really what I wanted to, I mean, I think it's obvious, but not as obvious, the the, the feet thing. And then, um, because it's obvious in the sense that it's a sick fuck. This is yeah. the way he did it. But mm-hmm. then it's like, it's not that simple. No, it's not. There's so many layers to it. And I feel like we could go down so many holes and I'm just still anxiously awaiting three more days for my dsm-5 book to arrive so that i can study this stuff more yeah yeah. but it's it's just like there there's so much at play here and i feel like to really know the exact answer for that question in specific we would have to know so much more about his upbringing his childhood his uh medical diagnoses when he was a child an adolescent a young adult if there are any on record that kind of stuff yeah for sure i think it's also um interesting that um, I've covered a few doctors where their work environments say were impeccable, but their home environments were an absolutely disgusting mess. Mm-hmm. And maybe their work environments were in- impeccable because someone else was doing it for them. Yes. People that were educated in cleanliness, like, you know, septic technique or aseptic technique and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And where you have people that are not as educated, so they don't see the importance and they're following the example of their boss kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I can think Harold Shipman, his uh, Dr. Harold Shipman that killed over 250 people or more in um, in the UK. His home was disgusting, but his office was great, but he had people working for him, mm-hmm. right? Also, he gave the impression. Uh, Dr. S- uh, Michael Swango, uh, his appearance was impeccable. His, uh, he he didn't have an office, but where he worked was already like a hospital or something that was already going to be clean. But his, wherever he lived was absolutely disgusting. So there's something to that because his place that he worked, that was his, his business was disgusting. His mm-hmm. home was disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the one scene that plays over my mind because I see it as a, as a scene that could be in like the most twisted movie ever 
Is it like devil's rejects or something? Yeah, yeah. He, he, <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 police the that come in to his home and he's playing classical music to them. So they walk in. He's like, "Look at me! I'm so talented." And then they're they're clean. They're going through his house and he continues to play the music with a big dumb smile on his face. And then when they like, go to the, like he's oblivious, yeah, yeah. And then they go into his basement, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd, uh, put some uh, put some hazmat suit on." They're like, "Why?" There's lots of fleas, and they get near like not even to the bottom step, and they're crawling up their knees. And he's just like, "Whatever." So the fact that like that's like I don't think you could make a horror movie like that. Mm-hmm. And his kids live there, and he had he had like six tvs that are still in boxes like he was a hoarder he would buy mm-hmm. it and not open it so there's something about control there but yeah. what i think is that when everything is insane he falls back to the music and yeah. i'm wondering if there's a comfort level in that or i can prove to you that i'm just this i'm more than a t- t- tell me what you think of that am i off off base so I don't know about the music thing. I never really thought about that until you just started talking about it. But I did when I when I was looking up what mental disorders that I thought he might have. I did look up hoarding disorder. I did look up OCD um, because hoarding disorder is actually a serious psychological condition. Yes. And I, I, I mean, I guess I knew that, but I didn't realize how serious it was. But it's linked to OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. Which makes you wonder, like what the fuck? Because when you think of OCD, you think of cleanliness, you think of obsessing over germs and cleaning your hands and yeah. performing all these tasks in like a ritualistic ways, but it is an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And, you know, people have these recurring unwanted thoughts, ideas, sensations, obsessions, if you will. Yeah. And it makes them feel driven to do something repetitively, which is the compulsion end of it. So things like hand washing, checking on things, cleaning, Um, all that stuff. But when you're not clean and you're allowing your life, your, your workspace, your home to be cluttered in a dangerous level, that becomes like a hoarding disorder. Yeah. But like, so, okay. So people sometimes hoard objects for sentimental value or sentimental reasons, or I can't get rid of this because it belonged to so-and-so and and I don't have that person anymore. If I get rid of it, then I'll never be able to think of, you know, stuff like that. Getting rid of a piece of them. Yes, exactly. But then, like you said, the TVs that are still in the boxes, um, the disgusting level of feces and urine and cats and fleas and shit like that. Like, that's not stuff that you think of. Really, when you think of, oh, I got to hold on to this for somebody. There's something else going on. So... The only thing that I could find was like somebody who had like a traumatic incident incident in their life. And the way that they coped with that was hoarding. And it just got to a dangerous level where their mind just made them like with their anxiety and their compulsions and stuff like that. They just kept collecting mm-hmm. and not cleaning because this is how they felt safe. They felt yeah. like they were in their comfort zone. So I, it's like I, he, I just he, wonder what else. Yeah, like it's like he was comfortable in filth. Yeah, because something I feel like something in his childhood is what maybe triggered that. Yeah, because I, I I don't know how his house was growing up. I know his dad was hardly ever around. His mom also worked, but was it a filthy environment to live in? Is he just used to that? Like, or I don't was understand. it like so sterile that he couldn't? <laughs> 
you know, live as a, a normal kid would. So I exactly. wonder if it was one way or the other with him. Like if the mm-hmm. house was so sterile that he couldn't be a, a regular kid in it, or if um, that it was so filthy that that's where he, he falls back. He either doesn't get that you need to be clean or doesn't care or that's where his comfort level is. I've always been around it. So this is just the way it is. Yeah. And that's where I'm kind of split. I could see it going yeah. either way, but with the tools and stuff that he uses on the women and how disgusting and, and nasty they are, like there's two levels to that too. Is it because of whatever this hoarding and OCD and, and filth thing is that's in his life? Or is it because he just wants the power, doesn't care about them, wants to harm them in whatever way? Like, there's two levels to that too. So it's, it's just, um, it's baffling, isn't it? Yeah. And at the so end I, of the day, he goes to jail and that's not even a punishment for him because he finds a way to enjoy that. Or if he doesn't enjoy it, he has, finds a way to get in your head to think he does enjoy it. Exactly. And he thinks he's going to get out, you know, Yeah. he's just waiting for it to happen and it won't, but I guess mm-hmm. he goes into this delusional thinking. Right, which brings me to one of my next ones. So I have, I think I have three more that I kind of wanted to touch base on and get your opinion on. Sure, sure. So um, above all else, and I know people are going to be like, well, of course he said that because of my other show. But I really, really honestly think that he has narcissistic personality disorder. Okay, yeah. For many reasons. Um, He was a true psychopath, I think. It. It doesn't appear as though he had a lot of people skills. And you see that throughout the investigation and and different reports about it. Um, Maybe enough just to get him by, just enough to put on a front, I think. Like Uh, a mimic? Yes. To to gain the attention and the praise that he he sought from other people, but also that gave him an in with people for them to trust him. It was the validation that he craved, like the halfway house, uh, the teen program that he developed and worked. Um, another reason I lean to this is because he clearly lacks empathy. We've seen it. He has a flat affect. He basically brushes off the fact that he has jars lying around with body parts in them. Uh, like it's just a stamp collection or something to him. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Not to mention the way he would act when he was actually murdering the babies, when they were fully alive, kicking and screaming, he would, you know, snip their spinal cords as if he was turning off a light switch. Like it, it meant nothing to him. So that definitely, I, I want your opinion on that. Do you think he I, had- I agree with you 100%. I know okay. sometimes you'd be like, oh, well, it's obvious. Only because it's a term that's being thrown around a lot now- nowadays. And I mean, yeah. just because someone's a douchebag doesn't mean, well, probably it does. But you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> right, right, not right. on the level where it, it is to him. So I, I, I fully agree 100% w- with that. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that was my first one immediately like, before I started writing this stuff, I was like, he definitely has that. He has to. There's no way. Like, he truly has it. Like I said, it's, yes. it's an overused, generalized term um, oh, yeah. uh, now. And uh, it's kind of like when people say literally about everything. I just want to, like, smack my head. Literally want to strangle them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think we do. <laughs> like, I literally died the other day when I saw she was wearing this. But you didn't because yes. you're talking to me right now. So take that word out of your vocabulary. <laughs> yes. But, um, anyway. Please. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the next. Okay. So um, psychopathy. Yeah. So it's estimated that I'm going to throw some figures at you. It's estimated that roughly 1% of males and 0.3 to 0.7% of females could be classified as psychopaths. 
that number seems extremely low when you think about the number of killers that people discuss. Um, there are 20 characteristics of uh, psychopathy, and I think that Gosnell possesses most, if not all of them. Okay. So psychopathy, for those who don't know, is considered a spectrum disorder. Okay. So it's like a condition that's directly related to brain development in a person. And that will impact how one perceives and socializes with others. So psychopathy can be diagnosed with the 20 item hair psychopathy checklist. And I think you know all about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and it has traits that I want to touch on for a second. Okay. So traits such as lack of empathy. We've discussed that a little bit with NPD. Uh, pathological lying. <laughs> oh, buddy. Does yeah. he do that? Yeah. Uh, impulsivity. Yep. I feel like that's definitely Chuck. here. <laughs> um, so when someone takes this test, they'll use a point system to determine whether the characteristics apply to them. Like if they don't apply to them, it's a zero. If it applies to a certain extent, it's a one. And if it fully applies to them, it's a two. Yeah. Once tallied up, the score should indicate clinical psychopathy if your score was 30 or above. Okay. So to give you an idea of what we're dealing with, Ted Bundy's was a 39. <laughs> Yeah. I think so, um, also uh, uh, Dahmer was way up there. Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to do this real quick on Gosnell. I'm going to uh, ask you these questions and you give me the number. Oh, okay. okay. Zero, none at all, one to a certain extent, and two to fully. Okay, let's do this. And I'm going to be right. completely open-minded about this. Like, I'm not going to just give him a 40. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. Okay, let's do all this. Right. So, glibness or superficial charm? Two. Okay. Grandiose sense of self, self-worth? Two. Need for stimulation or proneness to boredom? I'm going to give it, I'm going to say maybe one. Okay. Uh, pathological lying? Ah, that's a two. Okay. Conning or manipulative? Oh my God, two. <laughs> Lack of remorse or guilt? Two. Shallow affect, reduced emotional responses. I, I got to give him a two. I mean, I wasn't there, but I mean, he could be, uh, I'm going to say one maybe because he could, he could fool people, but then that would drop and his real true self would come out. So I'm going to give that a one. Okay. Okay. Good, good uh, explanation. There. <laughs> Callous or lack of empathy. Two. Okay. Parasitic lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, he lived off of off of people um, and their, yeah, too. Because I think that he just, everything he had was taking from somebody. Mm-hmm. Whether it was their, their, their child, their ability to have children, their money. Their choice. Their choice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor behavioral controls. Oh, yeah, too. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Wait a minute, but wait a minute. No. Because he could mimic. You're literally doing what I did when I did this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say one. One. Okay. Because I think he could control himself. He could come across as looking a certain way and then. And he can, could yeah. change it when he was like a chameleon. Yeah. He could he, change it when he needed to. So he. Yes. I'm going to say one. Okay. Um, promiscuous sexual behavior. Um. He did cheat on his wives and he was like really touchy feely. One, I'm going to say one. Uh, early behavioral problems. 
I don't really know. So based on the fact that I don't know, I'm going to say zero. I'm, I'm assuming that it's a one or a two, but I because I don't know, I, I'm going to have to say zero. Okay. Uh, lack of realistic or long-term goals. Yeah, I think he was just uh, working out of his ass every day. So I'm going to say two. Uh, impulsivity. No, um, I'm going to say one because I think he was impulsive in one sense. Ah, but was he impulsive? He just did what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I feel most comfortable with one. Irresponsibility. Oh, two. <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> Failure to accept responsibility for one's own actions. Oh, two, two. You didn't even yeah. finish that sentence. Right, yeah. <laughs> Many short-term marital relationships. Two. Juvenile I mean, delinquency. Four as two. Or he had three, and then his fourth wife was the one he stayed with. So Right. So I'd, I'd say yeah. Uh, juvenile delinquency? We don't know, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I think he was like, if anything, he was a, a good student. So I'm going to, you know, that. So I'll say zero to that. Okay. Uh, revocation, revocation of conditional release from prison. He was never in prison before, was he? No, no. And he didn't. No, zero. Uh, criminal versatility commits diverse types of crimes. Oh, yeah, two. Okay. Pill mill, Let me see. murder, <laughs> mutilation, assault. Okay, let's see. All right, what do you think the score is? Oh, man, off the top of my head, it's got to be over 30. 29. No, come on. Do he I... is teetering on the edge. Well, based on what I said, what the fuck do I know? Right, but, I mean, it's a really good guess. Like, the, that's how I would have answered every one of those. Only because I probably we, we lack knowledge of, of his... I think yeah. if we knew more about how he was as a as a child and stuff, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that would. But okay, helped. all right. I mean, but that's that's just my. It's it's there. It's ter- ter- yep. it is teetering. Um, because some are just so, ugh, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, he ugh, he's disgusting. Yeah. All right. So um, that was fun. You know right? what I mean? Like in a. Let's do it on you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh my god, so, I think I teeter too. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No fucking way. No. So there are those are two of the mental illnesses that I would say that he has, even like just based on what we know. Yeah. Um. Perhaps he doesn't. Perhaps I'm reading too deep into stuff, but I don't think so. Okay. Um, I don't. I also it sounds like it sounds good to me. You know. Right, and we don't know enough about his childhood either to make the. The legitimate call but i think we know enough to to know that there's something not fucking right yeah yeah um so that's definitely my personal opinion and then after i wrote all that i i got to thinking a little bit more and i'm like there's got to be one more antisocial personality disorder oh for sure there's no way he doesn't have that because like everything that i've read about him he fits this category maybe even more so than being a psychopath so okay someone with antisocial personality disorder is often referred to as a sociopath. Okay. We know that. So somebody with this 
um, is consistently, you know, showing lack of regard for others' feelings and rights. He did that constantly. Um, they may not even realize that they exhibit those behaviors their entire life. They just do it. It's just them. It's part of them. So is that kind of a thing where you'd point it out to them and they just don't get it? They're like, oh. they get it. Just like, oh, you don't see how this is wrong? No. So like, they may not even coffee? intentionally be doing it. It might be like, well. I Hardwired. I, I don't yeah. see what's, what's wrong What's wrong with that because they really yeah. just don't. He literally just, and I think that he literally just doesn't. Like there's, there's seven. Uh, so the way someone's diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder is kind of like how that one was, like a little test. Yeah. So if, if they show a pattern of at least three of these seven traits, then they're most likely antisocial. Uh-huh. So one, they don't respect no, uh, social norms or laws. They consistently break laws or overstep social boundaries. Uh-huh. Two, um, they lie, they deceive others, they use false identities or nicknames, and they use others for personal gain. That, yeah, part of that anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't make long-term plans. They also often behave without thinking of any of the consequences that may follow. I, I don't think he did that. I mean, I think he wanted to be rich. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think he, I mean, I think he would have been very diverse in that. I think he would have been like, okay, I can't do that anymore. I'll just do this now. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and I think he kind of weighed it out for himself and he didn't see long-term that what he was doing wasn't sustainable. I mean, God, he did it for what, 40 years, but uh, the thing is, I think if it would have ended that day, he would have found another way. Oh yeah. 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 He was a con artist. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He, uh, so number four is shows aggressive or aggravated behavior. They consistently get into fights or physically harm others. So I don't really see the fighting aspect of that. I do see that he's harming others, but maybe not in the sense that they're referring to. Yeah. Like it didn't, uh, like he got into an argument or he would provoke people and then lash out. It was like, he was causing harm. He was, yeah, he was very quiet about what he did. I don't think he really got into any altercations with people. Yeah, I, I think that any one of us maybe once in our life will, you know, could get into something that's really heated or, or more. I mean, let's just <laughs> face it. I mean, if, if you were surrounded by a bunch of people that were really being douchebags, <laughs> you might want to go and push them and say, all right, this is the one chance I'm going to punch someone in the throat. I'm not going right. to lie. There's been a couple situations where I've wanted just to take someone out, but I didn't See, do it, right? Like, Right, You because you have that control over yeah. yourself. Because I can I, look at it and go, all right, if I do punch this person in the neck, I'm likely the one that's going to get in most trouble for it. Or and I'm going to get my ass beat. I'm going to get my ass beat. Or yeah. do I really even know their situation that's making them act this way? And yes, what if I punch yes. this person in the neck and found out like all this other stuff was going on? So that's the stuff that stops us from doing it okay so what's the next it's an impulse thing yeah Yeah. for sure um so number five is they don't consider their own safety or the safety of others yeah yeah i think that aligns with him 100 percent because of his the way his house and his workplace were which in his daughter's room he had a chest that had money and guns in it (laughs) it's like he he that's where he was like hiding his stuff not to right. think that when his daughter sleeps in the room at night, maybe with the door closed, she's got, uh, you know, guns at the end of right. her bed. Um, so number six, they don't follow up on personal or professional responsibilities. This can include repeatedly being late to work or not paying bills on time. He did have outstanding tax things that he never paid. 
he didn't pay for the disposal of the stuff. Yeah. He would just like get far behind until they were like, we're not picking it up anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was and, a lot of indications of that. Yeah. And the last one, which says his name all over it, is that he doesn't feel guilt or remorse for having harmed or mistreated others. Oh, yeah, that's him to a T. Yep. So he definitely exhibits at least three, if not, I'd say six of those, probably. <laughs> so I, I think you're bang on in all of those. I think he fits the bill for every single thing there. Yeah. So if we were going to, if you're going to diagnose him, more, but... <laughs> so you'd say narcissistic personality disorder, um, border, uh, sorry, I didn't say borderline, um, uh, Antisocial. Uh, yeah, antisocial and yeah, for sure. And what was And maybe one? even psychopathy, but yeah, you know, we need yeah. more about his childhood. But yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. And, and what drives me crazy about this whole case is that I mean, aside from the obvious, is that so many people don't know about him because it was mm-hmm. covered up. And some people would not maybe not consider him a serial killer. Right. And I think he goes down as maybe one of the wor- one of the most prolific serial killers if not in the US but you know in the world I agree I when you first gave me a list of doctors to look at and I looked him up I was like why haven't I covered him he's definitely a serial killer what's going on but I think and I think you touched on this last time when we originally wanted to record this yeah. um that there was just too much controversy with this one there was a lot of stuff that you know, the media wanted to keep hidden. They didn't want to bring this stuff to light. There was, it was abortion stuff. It, it's way too many, like, political aspects to this case and that, that I think crazy. they didn't want to televise. Seriously, like, fuck off. Grow yeah. up. It mm-hmm. is what it, like, it's 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 real. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Oh, but I might lose my job. Oh, Who you fucking know, like, cares? Why oh, yeah. are you doing that job anyway? And that's how so many <sighs> terrible things happen because people don't want to stick their neck out they don't want to lose their their you know standing wherever it is and uh Mm -hmm. or it's too too much work and this is this is how terrible things continue to happen yes so child trafficking let's get on that topic one day (laughs) oh yeah no it it just goes on it's horrible and on and on but uh well this was amazing heather it was great talking with you about this you too i love the i love your insight and uh how you get me thinking about stuff and um, you too yeah i could do this all day long can we do this again (laughs) yes yes of course absolutely actually i think it would be really cool to go to talk to you about some of the different um diagnostic diagnostic uh tests like you just did um with the hair and um the the psychopathy test and now you're now you're in my wheelhouse yeah now you're talking about the shit i love (laughs) so i think that we could uh yeah talk about um just yeah let's do that let's do it okay so i want if you don't mind if you could pick out another one of my cases that i've covered of course and uh maybe we can do that uh, again uh like next month Yes, I would love that. Thank you. All right. Come on. Thank you. This has been amazing. So much fun. Okay. So thank you for joining me here today, Heather. And thank you for having me. Of course. Until next time. Ciao. Bye. So that was Heather. Um, She's, as you can hear, very knowledgeable on on the subject. And uh, I don't know. I I like her perspective. Uh, Some of you may or agree or disagree with it. And that's what makes us so fascinating to me because there's different ways to look at this at the end of the day the guy is a horrible human being 
if he's even that he's a monster and uh there's a lot to think about and hopefully this will help us in the future to identify people like this and hopefully make the world a safer place uh there's a lot of work to do but you know what one person at a time i'm going to play you out with nature versus narcissism uh one of heather's podcasts so you can hear that at the end of the show and i want to thank you for joining in today uh, please check out the Facebook group if you want to connect with other listeners. That would be amazing. And don't forget to take care of yourself, love yourself, and look out for your fellow man and woman and try to take care of each other. Peace. One love. I'm Heather. And I'm Rochelle. And you're listening to Nature vs. Narcissism. Narcissism. A true crime podcast where we delve into the life and crimes of some of the most egregious criminals the world has ever seen. Each season, we'll choose a different theme and we'll focus on a serial killer as well as perpetrators who may have killed just one person. Some of these individuals may sound familiar, but our aim is to bring you cases that you've never heard of before. And this show does have some dark humor sprinkled in, so we're going to make lame jokes from time to time, but never at the expense of the victims. And by the end of each episode, we will discuss why we think the offender committed these vile acts. Was it nature? Was it nurture? Or was, was it plain old narcissism? narcissism? Tune in weekly for new episodes and share your opinion on our social media pages. Subscribe to Nature vs. Narcissism on your favorite podcast player. Or visit our website at naturevsnarcissism.com. Stay inside, stay alive, and... Don't call the cops. Bye! Bye.